1: The Economist.
2: In London, this is The Economist. You're listening to Babbage, a weekly conversation on science and technology. I'm Kenneth Kukier, the data editor, and I'm joined today by Jason Palmer, a science correspondent, and Ludwig Siegler, the technology editor. This week, we're going to talk about the value of digital maps and whether spaceflight could be bad for skin. Ludwig, let's start with you. Nokia's division that does digital mapping seems to be selling itself. What's happening?
0: Yeah, So you may remember Nokia used to be kind of a big maker of smartphones and mobile phones. That's over. It sold its its smartphone division to Microsoft. But it still has this division called here. And that's basically a big database with lots of digital maps because so the entire world is in there. And it's, it's, it's mainly used in SatNav devices. So if you have a sat device in your car and, and it gets you from A to B, chances are that, that actually that, that, that's here. That's a, that's a Nokia map. But Nokia today, is of course, is, is no longer has no longer smartphones but only sells or mainly sells networking gear for mobile phones. So they said, why do we need this? Let, let's sell this. Actually, this is a very valuable property. And so it put it on the market. So why is there so much interest around it? Because there's a number of players in the industry which think that that, that that's actually a very valuable asset. So, for example, you have Uber bidding the taxi uh, service, a controversial service, uh, I should say. and And they're interested because they also at some point want to have self-driving cars. And in self-driving cars, to
2: have maps is very important because that's how the car will know where to go. Isn't a map a, a digital map a commodity these days? If we have Google and Apple and others with their own digital mapping service, why do you need another?
0: That's a very good question. So, so, so I mean, to make these maps, uh, uh, these digital maps has become a, a lot cheaper. So, Nokia bought this asset. Uh, in 2008 for $8.1 billion. Lots of money. But since then, the kind of the, the technology has gotten better. Uh, it's much cheaper now to build these maps or, or kind of collect them. It's, it it involves kind of driving driving around lots in, in, in ca- cars with cameras or taking pictures from satellites. And also what you have to see is that uh, that kind of Google changed that business. When Nokia bought Navtech uh, for $8.1 billion, uh, there wasn't a third and a fourth kind of mapping asset around. Now, Google has built that mapping asset and it gives it away for, away for free so in, in in some ways it's not just kind of technology has gotten cheaper but also that that Google kind of they don't intend to make that directly make money off of its mapping asset
2: is that why the bids that are coming in for here, Nokia's digital mapping service is so much lower than what they acquired Navtech for.
0: Exactly. But I mean they 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 actually they will be higher. So so when when uh, Nokia announced it wants to sell this division it said oh it's going to be like 2 billion. Then apparently Uber came in with a bid uh, at 3 billion and there's like I think three or four other uh, groups that that want to buy it, for example, a, a, a consortium of of German car makers, Audi, BMW, Daimler, they they want to buy it because they want to have control over that asset in their cars. Why do they feel they need control over the asset when they could license it from someone like Google? German car makers are afraid that at some point, when cars become self-driving, or even before that, I mean, if once when, when kind of entertainment systems become more important, that companies like Google or other IT companies kind of take over, take control of this place and that they will kind of uh, extract more rent, or will be more even more pro- profitable than, than the car making itself. Of course. And so they, for them, it's kind of a defensive move. So if why should we pay another company for for this asset? We can we can use it ourselves. Uber, on the other hand, kind of Uber wants to have self driving cars. Then there's Tencent is also interested with, with some financial partner. So so Nokia said, oh, we're not hurry in a hurry to sell it and make new bids. So the kind of the the upper limit for the bid is probably how much you have to pay to put a new map, a digital map together. Uh, the lower limit is, is probably the 3 billion. So, so people are talking about 6 billion, perhaps 5 billion, but it's not going to be decided soon. I,
2: I, I expect some, some decision in mid, mid-June. Great. Thank you very much. Jason, to you. We know already that space travel doesn't do too much for the appearance. Astronauts who are up in space after the first day or two start to appear puffy. But this week, there's some evidence that the problem is more than skin deep. What's happening?
1: Well, that's right. We, we know that in the absence of gravity, all kinds of things happen to the human body, including a redistribution of fluids that tends to make astronauts look, look puffy. Um, but there has long been a suggestion that the skin might suffer as well. Um, back when the words space station meant the, uh, the Soviet one, Mir, there was a study on uh, 19 crew members Who said that the most common injury that they got while they were up there were were sort of minor skin lesions? Now there's a lot of variables here. That was chalked up to it being a sort of low humidity environment, and of course they're you know constantly bashing into things, and so there weren't a lot of data to 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 work with. Uh, But there was one study uh, in later years on the ISS of a German astronaut uh, Thomas Reiter who uh, basically underwent some ultrasound imaging before and after his six month stay, and there were some indications there that his skin had thinned and that there had been a, a great loss of elasticity and so on. But that's again just one. Data point.
2: Okay, but now there's some reason to believe that something similar happens among mice.
1: That's right. So we had just one guy. Now we have just six mice. Actually, just three mice. Uh, there's a paper out in a brand new journal this week called NPJ Microgravity, which is supposed to gather up experiments of just this sort. The paper's about some astro mice. They have cutely termed these astro mice. I'm going to follow that convention. Um, who went up to the ISS for 91 days, uh, which is you know sort of equivalent to a few years for for me or for you, and certainly the the longest non-human animal time spent in space. Only three made it back alive, sadly, which is not a great advertisement for space travel in general. I have to admit, these have been basically divvied up among a whole bunch of research groups um, and some publications have already uh, come out looking at different body systems and different genes and what have you. But this is the first study to look at their skin. Normally, kind of ignored, even though it is the, the body's biggest organ. So there's only three of them, uh, which means that it's hard to get results with great statistical power. Um, but it does seem fairly clear that the the skin of these mice had thinned significantly, and more than that, all of the ones that went up to space uh, were found to be in the antigen phase. That's the phase during which your your hair grows. So this is weird. That wasn't the case for most of the mice that were on the ground in an identical experiment. And the suggestion is also that when the hair is growing, the skin gets thicker. So in fact, the the skin thinning may have been even more serious.
2: Okay, so nothing conclusive, but worth following up if spacefaring nations are going to get serious about an extended mission, say to Mars.
1: That's right. And uh, this is again, this is just a few mice, um, and there were quite a few pieces of the experiment that we haven't talked about here, into the genetics and so on. That doesn't have a whole lot of statistical power here, but it's certainly worth following up because this fits in with a great deal of research, which shows effectively every time scientists go looking for bad effects on animals' bodies. There they find them. We already know, for instance, about the, the great loss of bone density or of muscle mass that happens with astronauts. Already that's kind of being mitigated with these incredible exercise regimes that astronauts go on. They put on these crazy suits and go onto treadmills and so on for hours a day. Um, but what can be done about the skin, especially if there are genetic causes, is something that we're really going to have to start thinking about if these extended missions kind of get closer to fruition.
2: Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Ludwig. That's all we have time for this week. For more science and technology coverage, go to economist.com in London, This is The Economist.
1: The Economist.
0: Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. Good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools,